0: You know. They say they don't agree with us. I think they do. I think they do. Welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, David Littlejohn,
1: joining me in studio, Miss Katie Shook. I feel like I sh- I I wanna, kinda wanna go like let's get ready to rumble. Although I don't have the right voice for let's it. Let's
0: get ready. I love that guy. Uh, right?
1: I mean, <laughs> like I imagine such being such an
0: homage to the 90s. <laughs> imagine
1: being his mom, though, right? Like, get in bed but mom
0: (laughs) (laughs) right sometimes
1: i always wonder like what it would be like to parent those kind of people right like you think of them as adults but how are they as children that's always what i want to know
0: I haven't the foggiest. Yeah. Uh, Weird Thoughts by Katie Shook. All right. (laughs) Not not deep thoughts, weird Weird thoughts. Weird (laughs) thoughts. Okay. Call them like we see them, folks. So welcome. (laughs) Uh, For those of you that are joining for one of the first times, uh, I will let you know, we've got a bunch of podcasts in the books. If you want to check them out, you go to littlejohnfs.com and look for the True Wealth Radio Show, uh, also available on iTunes and a number of other places.
1: Including our website
0: including our website uh we're just here we're having a good time the purpose being to entertain and educate around the field of finance
1: but first a shout out so this week is a special week in our office because it is not one folks but two birthdays it is the mail end of our office <laughs> david's <laughs> birthday is this friday the mail room the mail room <laughs> and Justin's birthday was yesterday, so happy birthday, guys.
0: Hey, thanks. So, uh, and and I will admit to having, it's a totally benign year for me, right? It's like a meh, who You know what, benign or not,
1: I'm happy you're still breathing. And let's do a few more laps around the sun, okay? (laughs) I'm good with
0: that, I'm good with that. So uh, we were talking about, what should we talk about on the show today? And sometimes we do better prep than other times. But I think today is one of those times where there may have been a little prep.
1: We we try. It's not okay. You talk about prep as if like we don't prep for the show. But think about it. We have to come up with something to talk about every week, every year. The funny thing
0: is, (laughs) I think we could come up with something to talk about every single day because investments as a topic are infinity and beyond. Right? I mean, they just keep going. But
1: and sometimes it's good to revisit things because we have new listeners or people forget information. Or I feel like it's like rewatching a movie. Every time you rewatch it, there's a little nugget different that you take away from it.
0: Yeah, I like to think of it as kind of like tiles on a roof. They need to overlap a little bit for better coverage. Right. That's what. So you got to have some overlap in the topics because you start to realize that it all meshes together
1: and I'm right. the one with weird thoughts. Tiles on a roof. Tiles Were a you roof. looking at roof tiles recently?
0: Nope, but you know, that's how they work. They overlap, and that's why they work as a as a unit, right? An right. individual roof tile is pretty useless, but pile it together with all of its friends. Keeps out all the weather, it's <laughs> there awesome. There you go. So, all right. so as we thatch together your financial knowledge, Katie and I had this thought that one of the things, so it's back to school, right? and I, I was saying, well, you know, maybe we need to go back to basics, but then we thought, you no, know, maybe we need to go not back to basics, but literally get to the stuff, just the basics, just the basics, right? Uh, we've and and some of this has stemmed from recent office experiences and so forth. But we got to talking about this, and here's what I have noticed that sometimes we make the mistake I make the mistake of assumption, right? I assume that either our listeners or our clients. Get what I'm talking about.
1: And sometimes people nod and say yes when they don't because they don't want to look stupid.
0: Exactly. We have probably all been there at some point or another right. where some of you are, you know what I mean, right? And you kind of like, go, sure. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. And really it's like, <laughs> I kind of know what you mean, but there's a whole bunch of gray area in there and I'm not going to become an expert and you're not going to challenge me on it. So onward and upward, right? Right. Here's the the issue is, I, and I think it really it boils down to something this simple. Uh, I'm not picking on our education system when I do this. I'm just going to s- simply acknowledge it. Our education system, you, you know, the, the grade, you know, K through 12, Kay. doesn't train much about money. No, they don't. I mean, and the uh, very basics, maybe some very cursory economic information, you know, the really basics of supply and demand, maybe in a civics course or something.
1: But even economics, they don't really go into how does that affect you as an individual?
0: Yeah, we don't get practical application. Right. I think we get some bits and pieces of information, but it's really the, the folks that I know that have become financial successes have generally done it through a lot of intention. Not very many people are accidentally really successful. Occasionally somebody will, you know, design an app or something that sort of goes viral and they make a bunch of money at it. And, and some people have figured out, and I do say they've figured out the popularity contest of social media and they've managed to monetize their popularity or their good looks or whatever it may be. True. But I mean, but, but those are pretty rare. If you think about the number of people trying to do that versus the number of people that actually succeed.
1: Well, I yeah. And I'm going to challenge it one further. I would challenge you if you know more than five people in your natural social circle right so not just your Facebook friend not somebody you follow on Twitter but like people you've actually broken bread with or shared a coffee with like name more than five people in your social circle that have had that kind of success because it would be very difficult
0: and I want to know what your definition of success is
1: well when you were talking about like you know, making a lot of money overnight kind of thing. Like I'm doing.
0: Not, I'm not talking about you, Katie. I'm talking about the person that says, oh, this person is successful. Is it by what measure?
1: True. That's because, a good question.
0: Uh, the person, because I'll, I'll be flat out with you. I'll say if, if you're a person that's like, well, hey, you know, I make $5,000 a month online doing this stuff. And I go well, if that's good enough for you, great.
1: You know, that that brings up a valuable point. um, And that's something that I've been challenged with, too, in my personal life, um, because I do foster care. And there are some parents um, that I end up dealing with who look at me and think I'm rich. Now, I don't look at me and think I'm rich. I look at some of my our clients and think they're rich.
0: And the funny thing is, if you ask our clients, none of them are
1: rich. Right. And so it's 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 interesting to see where you're setting that bar at. Right. And how how you're measuring yourself against it, Um, because it's a moving bar. Right. Like, I think a lot of times in life when we set out, maybe in our 20s, we think, oh, if we can make this much money, you know, we'll be successful. And then hopefully, you know, you get to a point in your life where maybe you pass it and then you're like, oh, but if I can make this much, like, it seems like the bar just keeps moving higher and higher. I don't know that there is a level that you're like, oh, I made it. Like, I mean, do you ever feel like, oh, I made it? So
0: There's a level. (laughs) I mean, there is, and, and we could get into it, but that's not the point of today's show. Nope, today uh, we're
1: going to talk about the basics.
0: The basics here are the things that when, we, when we're when we trying to figure out how, uh, the, the point is that, that we don't get the basics. We don't get the basics in school, and uh, folks tend to chase after things, but uh, my whole point was that people do this intentionally. right? Even the folks that make uh, a, a kind of a meager living online, they're still doing it on purpose. Right. And the Instagram star, the influencer, I mean, there's they're doing a lot of things to
1: with intentionality. Yeah.
0: it's it, it doesn't happen by accident. It's not like, oh, I'm just living my life with my phone here and taking a few pictures and I just get paid. It's like, <laughs> no, no, that is a very curated lifestyle. And there's a lot of work that goes into trying to make uh, an online living.
1: That sounds like reality television, which is not grounded in reality. <laughs> exactly. Fair so, enough. So
0: what I'm talking about, the basics, I'm talking about things like. How does somebody get started?
1: How okay. does so that is a good question. that is a frequently asked question that we have in our office. Mm-hmm. So how do we get started?
0: So uh, but there's more th- more than that because we're. I mean there's, here's a few questions I want to talk about today. you know how do I get started? Okay And then not like, hey, here's the theory. I mean like mechanically, what are the steps I take to get started? Right uh, what where, do I
1: do once I'm started?
0: Yeah <laughs> uh, Where do I find good information? Right, that's a tricky one. How do I get good advice? Where do I go? Uh, some of the some of it is, what should I invest in? Yeah, I like that one. Okay, that's a toughie. What should I invest in? Uh, some of it is the the question of how do I how do I become rich?
1: And again, how how do you define rich?
0: Right. Okay. So these are all. I think big picture questions that people try to figure out, and then uh, probably one that you don't even realize that you should ask is, uh, how should I handle taxes? Mm, that's a good one. Okay, people don't even realize that that's a question that they need to be thinking about at times. Uh, and then some of it, you know, we talk about things like setting a budget, but where do the numbers come from? Oh, and there then, you go. And then maybe one of my favorites and we can we can try to work toward this. This is a lot. I don't think we'll get it all in today, but I don't think so either. Some of it is what are some of the mistakes that people often make because they think one thing but it isn't so. Ah,
1: okay. That's a good one.
0: All right. So, when we make assumptions that are that that create other problems. Okay. So, so we got a whole list there. And I think the very first one is how do I get started? How do
1: I get started? So the the mechanics of it all.
0: Right. And this one, I will draw a really simple analogy here. How do you open a bank account?
1: You walk into a bank and talk to a person. Sure. Or you can go online and fill out the application Uh yourself. It starts with an application. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And paperwork Uh and money to put in it. Uh Thank you for the sounds over there. This I is know, what happens this, when we don't have a soundboard.
0: <laughs> this is a uh, color commentary by David. Uh, <laughs> uh, so how,
1: I feel like you're leading the witness, but I'm not quite getting there. What well, answer are you you're, looking you're, so for?
0: it's all of these parts and there's a, there's a core theme to all of it. How do we get started? How well, do? well, I'm going to tell you but what we're going to do because I don't want to interrupt it. We'll take our we're going to take a break now so that when we come back we will have an uninterrupted segment. So Sounds stick good. around and we'll be right back. How do you get started as an investor? We're going to cover that and more when we come back. This is
1: David Littlejohn and Katie Shook. And you're listening to True Well on News Radio 1240, KQEN. All right. So we were talking about how we get started.
0: That's right. Welcome back to the True Well Show. Again.
1: Sorry, I totally missed Mike. <laughs> so he's like, excited, like, he put me on the spot. And so I was like, wait, back, what what? what? He's
0: like, oh, well, here we go. So, <laughs> welcome back to the True Well Show. And if you're just joining us, don't forget the podcasts are out there on iTunes and all that good stuff. And uh, on our webpage, littlejohnfs.com.
1: I'm going to try something. Yeah. I'm going to throw it out there. If you have a question, text it to me. Oh, boy. 541 515 8290. Text it to me. Text your questions, and we will try to get them on the air today.
0: All right. So what we should do is just keep the Twitter feed running and say, hashtag them to our Twitter feed. There you go. That, that too. too. Um, maybe I'll get that going next. Uh, but meanwhile. Uh, so we were talking about how to get started. We're, we're talking about how do you get started as an investor? So today's program is all about getting the, the basics, the, the true. When I say blocking and tacking and fundamentals, we're talking about not, you know, if this was a football thing, we're talking about, well, how do you tie your shoes and put on your helmet? Yeah, what gear? What gear
1: do you need to even yeah. play football?
0: So we we know that in order to get started as an investor, we're going. We want to be able to buy stuff. Now let's say that we're talking. Let's, let's talk about what kind of investing. First of all,
1: let's let's do an example because I think that helps our listeners well, out. Too. It
0: will. But but so first, Katie, I want to be an investor. What does that mean?
1: Well, that's what I was going to do to you. Oh, okay. You're <laughs> so you switch it around. I'll play the game. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, he goes, no. And then he does exactly what I wanted to do. Thank you, David, for that one.
0: <laughs> we planned this. So
1: I walk into Little John Financial Services and says, I have money. I say, I have money and I want to be an investor.
0: Okay. Well, so what do you, I do? You cheated the game, but I'm going to help our <laughs> listeners because you, what you did is I
1: you, already picked our shop.
0: Yes. But not just that you presupposed an answer to the question. Okay. Okay. So this is when you ask a a question, but you really already know the answer you want. Um, The presupposition in this one is, well, they walked into an investment shop that deals specifically in stock market-like investing. Oh. Okay. Because there's other kinds of investors, right? I mean, maybe you want to invest in classic cars. Maybe it's real estate. Maybe it's in a business. All right.
1: So So I heard an ad on the radio that said, I need an IRA. David, where do I go get one?
0: Okay, so you come to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, here's the thing: uh, IRA is a specific tax product. So I'm going to back it up and say what the, you heard this. You know, you heard the commercial. I heard commercial. I need to get an IRA. And uh, if you were to walk into our office, I'm going to kind of say, "Well, let's pump the brakes for a second. Let's figure out what your mission profile is first, and then let's make sure the IRA is the right mechanism or the right vehicle to get you there."
1: Right. And there's a, couple, there's a couple different kinds of IRAs.
0: There are. Uh, but nevertheless, so if you want to get started as an investor, okay. first you're going to determine what it is you're investing in. So whether it is real estate or it is in some other type of instrument, here's the thing. Are you going to have direct ownership of it where you're going to specifically title that thing in your own name? Like if you buy a house and you title it in your name. Okay. Okay. Well, you're not really opening accounts to do that. If you had cash somewhere and you could go to the title company and buy pay cash everything for off, the house, you could pay cash and you could take the house. Nobody really does that. okay? And yeah. you know why? Why? Because it's dangerous. How but is that you, dangerous? It's dangerous because... I suppose if you had a briefcase full of cash, but even then, look, you could get mugged, right? So having a briefcase full of cash is dangerous where having it secured in a bank and then having the ability to write a check from that bank protects you through the bank's security measures.
1: Got it, okay. Okay. So now we're talking about security.
0: Well, there's all these layers to it, and I'm not going to try to overcomplicate it. From the very most basic level, let's pretend that you just know that you want to go buy some stocks or a mutual fund or something like that. Okay. In order to do that, you need to open an account. Right. And in order to open and you said this before the break, right? right. You've got to open an account. And my question to you during the break was what does what is they what do all the institutions have in common?
1: They're looking for your personal information so that they can identify the account with you, right? So when right. you're filling out an application, they're going to ask you simple things like your date of birth, your social security number, your address right they want to know where to send the statements right. they want contact information so if they have questions they know how to get a hold of you Right? Um, some of applications even go as far as what is your investment objective right are you conservative are you aggressive right. what so, things do you want to invest in so
0: so there's two different things going on here right you have consumer protection laws and then you have policies of the institution that it's opening the account for you um, What does every institution care about? There are two things that every institution that's going to work with you really, really cares about. What are they?
1: Um, Your identity is one of them.
0: So I'm totally baiting Katie on this one, by the way. It's so not fair. It isn't, because I'm yeah. wondering where yeah, he's yeah, going with like, this. And... Um, so there's, first of all, every institution, this is going to sound oh, so mercenary, but it's so true.
1: They want to know how they're going to get paid.
0: Yeah. They want to make money, and they want to minimize their own liability. Right. Okay. Now, some companies genuinely do want to provide excellent service. Like ours. Like, Yeah. And and I mean, I think that's true that because we recognize that if we provide excellent service, we grow organically and naturally. People tell their friends and their family and everybody else and say, come have a great experience because you're not going to get this kind of experience elsewhere. Right. So we get how our bread is buttered. But nevertheless, we do all of those things to secure your identity, because if we secure your identity, we're helping reduce our liability. Right. Right. We're right. Pr- by protecting you. We protect ourselves. And then in, in the process, we cannot stay open if we do not generate revenue. Right. So we need to know how our firm's going to operate to be compensated. And any firm that you work with, whether even do it yourself stuff, they all there's a profit there's, motive yeah. in what's going on. Right. Kay? There's a
1: fee or a, a percentage or something yeah, that I mean, they're going to charge you. Let's say you
0: go to a bank and you open up a free savings account, and they pay you interest. It costs you nothing, and the bank pays you. Are they really giving you a free account?
1: No, because they use your money to invest.
0: Exactly. What they're doing is they are buying the right to use your capital to invest elsewhere at a higher
1: margin. Right. And they've even done certain things like attach certain rules. So the only way you get it free is like if you have automatic deposits or something weird. Yeah, in the system
0: there's all so. kinds of things and now you're getting we're we are in the weeds and i'm sorry the issue is the business model underneath the motivation but we don't need to talk about that for basics we just need to know that for the basics you have to open an account wherever it is you go whether it's a checking account you got to open the account if it's an investment account if you want to buy mutual funds you get one of two ways to do it right you go to the mutual fund company like i like to talk about vanguard OK, uh, because Vanguard generally doesn't do advisory cert. They, they probably do, but they have high investment limits and so forth. But you could go open a Vanguard account right. and buy a mutual fund. Straight from Vanguard. And give Vanguard your money and they will put it in an account with your name on it and they will no send ch- you statements and the statements will have your name and address on it. And then up in the corner, it will have the logo from Vanguard. Right. Because Vanguard is you're directly doing business with them.
1: And they will charge you to do right. so.
0: Now, let's say instead you want to be able to buy from both Vanguard and Fidelity. And you don't want to get statements from Vanguard and Fidelity. You just
1: want to get one statement. You want one statement. So then you need to find a shop that can buy from both.
0: So, yeah. And that's where you could use – I'll use um, uh, E-Trade as an example. E-Trade is one of these companies that is a low-cost provider for do-it-yourselfers. Okay. So you can go online online open an account with Etrade online and once they've gone through all the documentation steps now you've got an Etrade account
1: right okay. now we're, we're talking about um, we were talking about just the basics and i realized that but um, and we had listed off in the very first segment mistakes that people often make right as you're talking about opening these accounts something that happens i don't know how frequently but something that happens and it's come across our desk a couple times is people get the account open and they get the money in there and then they get paralyzed by all the options and don't know what to do and never invest it so the money just sits there in cash
0: in essence that is one of the dangers yes and we'll go into some more of that but i don't want to lose our listeners on this one point that if you wanted to buy from both vanguard and fidelity you can do it through e-trade because e-trade is you're no longer doing business direct with Vanguard or Fidelity, you're just buying those units and then holding them in your E-Trade account. Right. Okay, so E-Trade sends you the statement now that tells you what you own because E-Trade is the record keeper, not the mutual fund company. Right. And then you can buy stocks and bonds and everything else and you can pile them all in that account. So those are legitimately the mechanical basics is you establish an account You fund the account, meaning you transfer money from somewhere into that account, then you use the money in the account to purchase the shares of the investments that you want to own. Right. And that is actually how it happens. Right. Now, from there, the complexities go to infinity and beyond (laughs) yet again. Because you can buy a mutual fund that has different share classes. It owns the same investments, but different share classes is different payment structures and different operating expense structures.
1: That was something that I was unaware of as an investor and Mm -hmm. didn't realize until I started working in this industry.
0: And what happens is the share classes all. So how do you identify a stock? Right. If I wanted to buy AT&T stock. okay. How do I identify AT&T? There's
1: usually like a there's L- a ticker symbol right, right? there's a, it's got yeah.
0: a, it's got a letter a letter code representing isn't it just
1: att it's just, t. it's just t it's just t it's
0: just the letter t is it really yes huh if you wanted to buy apple stock it's aapl there right? you go. If you want to buy Netflix, I think it's N F L X. Disney's is D I S. Disney is D I S. Ford is F, and so forth. And they so they all get these different codes. If you want to buy mutual funds, it's five letters and it ends, ends in, in X. An, it does. It, it does. That's
1: X. the one thing I picked up. I'm like, oh, that's a mutual fund. So I know when I the look at it, funds and it's all five in letters X. ends in X. It's a mutual fund. And is there any other weird rules? Like, do, do bonds or anything else have the bonds?
0: Don't get bonds don't actually get letters
1: they have symbols. numbers or something don't they
0: they're identified but what's, what's known as a q-sip c-u-s-i-p and it's a long string of numbers and potentially letters but usually it's a long string of numbers and it's like the serial code for each bond
1: okay that makes sense
0: so and i don't know how many no no that's I mean, they're all kind of i think they numbers or something yeah crazy. they vary so that's the thing is uh there's lots of different ways that you can buy these things, but this, the pricing structure is what's different. If you buy a mutual fund that is an A share, that's historically what everybody bought. That's an upfront commission built into the fund. So you invest $100, and usually there's about a 4% commission. So you see $96 on your statement because 4% went to the whoever helped sold you it buy it. You. Yeah. When you buy a no load fund, that means there's no commissions it doesn't mean there's no expenses ah. no load funds still have expenses because mutual funds don't operate for free right but they don't pay commissions to any brokers because if you're buying direct from the fund company then you don't have there's a third no party man, yeah right? they're cutting the middleman out okay and again this, this doesn't sound like the basics, but it's all relevant to you because if you're a do-it-yourself investor...
1: You need to know what share class to then, buy. Yeah,
0: you don't want to go buy... Because here's what will happen a lot of the time. You could buy a share class with a commission built into it. Well, it's not going to pay you the commission, and that's dumb anyway. Why would you take your money and pay yourself some of it just to turn it into a taxable event <laughs> when you would... So you wouldn't do that. But if you buy something that has a higher cost structure who gets paid more you the fun company the fun company They just keeps the commission
1: or the advisor or
0: the custodian ah
1: the person holding your money you don't
0: have an advisor is a do it yourself yeah so the
1: the person you open the account with just pockets the commission and says thanks bud for that little well, that kickback can, we...
0: sometimes they'll use it to reduce trading fees and things like that but it's all it's going somewhere
1: and the different fee classes are all like letter ones aren't they like weird stuff like there's a class there's, there's and they're like F.
0: typically a b c and then each company gets a little different from there so a shares are upfront commission lower operating costs b shares are a um, no upfront commission higher operating cost and then a surrender charge that reduces over the next you know 5 to 8 years and then they convert to a shares after the surrender charge is over ah. and then you get a C share which has a higher operating expense and pays uh, a low upfront commission in the first year and then pays an ongoing trailing commission after the 13th month so these are all complex issues right right and this is why i think investors it takes a while to study this stuff to figure out how it works it's like well why does it look like you know go to go to Yahoo Finance right and put in the name of a mutual fund and you'll see like why is there like seven different names or seven different funds with the same name because it's all all like class symbols well it's the same fund in terms of what's being purchased it's the fee structure that's varied from each one
1: and it's I mean, I find it fascinating that there are all these different kind of fee structures. How come it's not more simplified? Because it was probably one way for a while and then there was different rules. There's
0: actually very good reasons they all exist. Okay. Institutional share classes are for people that are buying in large blocks. And so it's a bulk discount. You have retirement share classes that are designed to go into 401k plans, and they have different structures depending on the needs of each 401k plan and how big the plan is and mm. how the plan is structured. Okay. So uh, they they have different roles. They're not arbitrary. They are designed to silo into the different rule sets for the different product offerings that are available in the landscape. Got so it. And see how, again, layer upon layer upon
1: layer right it's not just it's not as simple as it sounds all right. the time
0: and what drives all of these layers that's a great question w- regulation does i mean yeah. regulation absolutely drives the share structures because th- that's how you, the industry responds if you're told well you cannot charge any kind of commissions in a retirement plan But you can have service fees. So, okay, well, then let's create a share class that has no upfront commissions, but it has a residual service fee. And, you know, we'll structure the service fee in order to augment the cost of providing the plan to the employee group, right? Or whatever it may be. Yeah, right. Then they create a share class specifically to pay out that way. And they build the prospectus around it to make the rules so that it plays that way. Yeah. Okay. And there are a myriad of situations that are like that. Which is why regulation is, like, it makes me just want to bang my head on a <laughs> wall. I mean, the, the, the thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars that we have to spend each year just to stay compliant with regulations that are not necessarily applicable, but we still need to validate that they are being done as required...
1: So the interesting
0: mind-numbing.
1: thing um, that I tell a lot of prospects as they're, you know, going into becoming clients and signing paperwork, there's something called an ADV part two, right? And that's a disclosure brochure that we have to provide to our potential clients. And I kind of always make a joke that I think it's funny they call it a brochure because ours is like 28 pages long now. Like it has gotten to be ridiculous. I think if a brochure is like a pamphlet or something that you pick up, right? Like something little. But 28 pages and we're a small firm. I couldn't imagine some of the bigger firms. Is it like a war and peace novel just to get through the ADV? I mean, it seems it's, like.
0: Well, and remember, we had to write it,
1: too. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> so. it's, yeah, the disclosure brochures alone are just like, they're huge.
0: Yeah, it's, there's some frustration there. Uh, and then, and of course, each state has different. And there's state regulation as well as federal
1: it. regulations. There's a lot of regulation around it.
0: All right. So anyway, back out of the weeds, back out of the weeds. You you now understand that in order to the very basic level is the, you know, you need an account. Right. The account needs money in it. The money needs to be not just sitting in cash doing nothing. But put to work to put, somehow. Put to work in the investments of your choice. And the investments of your choice are Beyond the scope of this show, I mean, there's so much that either you need to start doing a lot of research, or you need to find a, a partner that understands this and can come alongside and, and coach you through it in one form or fashion. Right. right, and that's at the end of the day, we often we don't we don't push it much on this show because it's not supposed to be a big sales pitch. That's not the point here. We really are trying to provide educational value within our own community here, and uh, but, but but you know if you don't know who to call then s- see me after class right, right. You know, call give, us give us a call um, Katie you can drop the phone <laughs> number it's
1: okay five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight just look up Little John Financial Services if you start typing in Little John on your phone we should pop right up
0: yeah there and Little John Financial will certainly show up in you know if you're Googling or something like that right so all right well look we now have covered the the number one basic. You, you do need an account and uh, the same thing if you're at w- a workplace and you have a 401k right you need to open the account and you need to do the same thing is you, you know, there's going to be money going in either out of your paycheck or from your employer it needs to be put into an investment of some kind some employers will automatically enroll you into an investment if you do nothing but some will not Want. it will yeah, just yeah you sit gotta in pay cash, attention and it's it, it's coming out of your paycheck pre-tax so it's not going to be money you pay tax on until you take it out someday in the future but boy could you be missing out on an opportunity if the markets are leaving you behind
1: that's true right very so true
0: you need to be aware and engaged but th- that's basics level one we are super long on the segment so we got to take a break here gang so we'll do that, and when we come back, Katie, what are, mistakes? What do we want to look at?
1: How do I become rich?
0: Oh, oh, good. We'll cover. How do we become rich? Oh, we could do that in five minutes. We got this. All right. This is Dave Littlejohn <laughs> and Katie Shuck. You got True Wealth on News Radio twelve forty KQEN. <laughs> hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn here in studio with me, my cohort in crime.
1: Cohort, Katie Shook. I like gotten. It's not co-host. It's cohort.
0: Oh yeah, much more devious. It does right. sound a
1: little ha ha. All right. So on the devious side, how do I become rich, David? I want to become rich.
0: Okay. So build evil lair, right? Right. Can and I have a hairless get, cat? Get minions. <laughs> so uh, no. Um, yeah. Hold world hostage for one hundred <laughs> billion dollars.
1: So <laughs> we had an Austin Power reference and a Despicable Me in the same sentence. Okay. Yes,
0: but I did not do my groove voice, which is probably better. Yeah. Please don't. Um,
1: how do I become rich? So pe- I think that's a common question. People go, it's, you know, it's I a really be rich. common
0: question. And the first one is it's a trick question. It's a gotcha question because rich is in the eye of the beholder. Okay. I've told the story many times. If you want to be rich, require less. Oh, okay? that is true. So there's step one, just require less and you will feel rich.
1: So let me rephrase my question then. How do I make a million dollars?
0: Okay. So a million dollars isn't that hard as long as you have time on your side oh okay so or resources yeah the the sooner you both. start the easier it is to make it two million bucks I mean if you're 16 18 years old and you put a hundred dollars a month away and you can earn ten percent on that then sometime in probably your late 50s early 60s you're gonna eclipse the $1 million dollar mark yep uh, at just a hundred dollars a month and you do the math on it, it's like twelve hundred bucks a year. So right. it's twelve thousand in ten years. So if you do it for fifty years, you put about sixty thousand dollars in and it's worth over a million. That's awesome. Okay. And so you, you just it's mind boggling, but that's the nature of compound interest and
1: Which is like bunny rabbits. It right. just it's keeps like multiplying. That keep having
0: more rabbits, they keep having more rabbits. <sighs> yeah. So Compound interest is a funny thing. It's based on the assumption that the economy is going to continue to expand and that the monetary supply and so forth will continue to expand. I have it on reasonable authority. We cannot predict the future, so there's no guarantees on this one, but reasonable authority that it's highly probable that even going through economic cycles of up and down, that that will continue to happen right? because it's actually built into the system. Right. right. When we delinked from the gold standard, then it became the standard that every major uh, first world government is operating on, which is government controls the money supply now and the central banks are in cahoots. So there's no specific standard for the currency other than the faith and credit of the government's operating it, and they're all in a cabal of taking on more debt and just going to infinity. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's so true. Right? Every every country so is true. just willing to
0: print money. So as long as they're all printing at approximately the same pace so that there's no radical dislocation in, from one area of the globe compared to another, then I don't know how long the party keeps going. I, I really don't going. know. But everybody's signed off on it. So it, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm, I'm actually a fiscal – I'm a deficit hawk for sure. I don't like deficits and I don't like debt. So if I, if, you know, were I king, I'd say, well, you know, look, let's get our house in order. We, the government doesn't need to overspend like this. And there's some out there that are economists going, well, that's not really true and blah, blah, blah. And I go, okay, well, I'm willing to pick that battle with you. You know, you show me your data and then, uh, you know, tell me how it's not going to be polluted by, you know, dangerous or stupid people, more the latter than the prior. (laughs) Uh,
1: Okay. So we talked about how to become rich, right? Yeah. So that's
0: the, 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 the low and slow over time, right? The other, though, is, that that's for a million bucks, but rich is, really, it's just a matter of, well, what's the number you had in mind? And there's a lot of intention involved with it. I could tell you that there, there are only two ways that I see people getting really wealthy in this world, and it's scarcity and leverage, okay? I, I use this term, scarcity is the LeBron James phenomenon, or pick your favorite elite athlete, call it the Tom Brady phenomenon. Uh, whatever the case, it's a person that can do only what they can do, and everybody else wants to watch it and pay for it. Right. Okay? So for whatever reason, they're, they're so enamored with this person, and they're such a rare gem that people will throw money at it in order to see it.
1: You're, you're cracking me up because you keep giving sports people. I'm thinking, man, like Kim Kardashian. Sure. I still don't even get what she does. Same story. Kim Tons of money. Kim
0: Kardashians just like her job is to be pretty and date other famous people and – show up word. places that's i am not even sure what her job money. is yeah well and you know social media influencer at the uber nth degree right so yeah that, that's but, it so that's the job there kylie jenner did the same thing there so you can think of people like that
1: all right so let's just suppose that our listener is not the kim kardashian of Roseburg.
0: right so th- so leverage is the more likely okay?
1: all right and, and one of the other questions you brought up was how should i handle taxes should I be concerned about taxes?
0: Yes, but you know what? You have to make money first to, to pay taxes.
1: Oh, well, there you go. That's a good problem to have. Right,
0: so the, the question of how do I get rich comes before how do I navigate the taxes? I mean, if you want to be more efficient, look, defer your taxes. You know, defer them or minimize them, okay? And that means you're gonna shift into lower taxed types of assets or structures. So instead of paying income tax, if you're paying a higher rate and you can change it to a capital gain, capital gains are cheaper. There you go. Right. And if you can defer it to a later point in time where your tax rate will be lower, then defer it to later. There you go. If you can pay it now because the taxes in the future will be higher and you can and you won't have to pay them in the future. This is the example of a Roth IRA, by the way. I was going to say, so he just gave an example
1: of a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA in different situations that would match both.
0: Right. So, in know, which is
1: why investment advice is unique, because everybody's situation is completely yeah, it's, different. It's
0: so hard when as advisors, you know, you hear our promo at the beginning of the show that says, all right, the opinions are not necessarily this side or the other. And the other is, look, we can't call this personal advice. But what I can tell you is it is financial advice. And for you to get it personal, then you need to seek personal advice. Right. So don't go run around taking this and saying, well, some radio guy said uh, that's the danger. I mean, it's like Dave Ramsey saying, go cut up your credit cards to go. Uh, you know, it's hard to get in trouble for that, right? Because it's a consumer card. You make the
1: choice. Okay. You brought him up first. I'm going to mention something though. Dave Ramsey even says he had to get rid of all of his investment licenses so that he stayed compliant because when he's saying things like get a Roth IRA, that is investment advice. It's true. And you can't give Investment advice. Investment advice on the air. Yeah. And so he can't be licensed in securities right. the way we are. So we don't.
0: And you'll, you'll notice. Go listen to any podcast you want. The only time I ever make guarantees are when it's like fall off a log stupid and you're an idiot if you don't do what I said. <laughs> and, and, and it's like the guarantees are things like, well, you can't sue me for making that guarantee. You know, like I can guarantee you if you spend more than you make, you'll end up in a hole. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not advice. That's just like, well, no, duh.
1: So, <laughs> Stating a fact. <laughs> All right.
0: But the become rich part, the, you know, the other option you're going to get is leverage. And what I mean by that one is either you can use other people's money to make your money go further, right? So, hey, I have a $1,000, but I can use that $1,000 to borrow $10,000. Now my return on $10,000 after I pay everybody else back, but I keep the return, means that my $1,000 had more horsepower, essentially. Oh, there you go. Uh, and the other is to leverage people and talent. You know, I am an evil corporation. You know, Little John Financial is an evil corporation, as we know, because all corporations are evil. Snark, snark. (laughs) And He's just kidding, folks. And so what happens is I have a team of people that we all leverage each other's times and talents. So, you know, even today, while I am meeting with clients doing one thing, Katie is doing other things that support those client activities. I am leveraging her skills and talents to make us all more efficient. Right. It it leveraged my time to be able to see twice as many people because Katie's helping with the back, probably more like probably way better than that. But, you know,
1: (laughs) well, (laughs) I'm leveraging the fact that my kids are in school and that I have free time to go earn a dollar. There you go. So I'm leveraging other people's time also.
0: So that's how this stuff all fits together. And so. Bottom line is if you want to come become rich, you're gonna to have to do it intentionally and you're gonna also have to make trade-offs.
1: Okay, right? Right, there you go.
0: And we if folks want to hear more on that as a topic, we can do a whole show on it. But for now, because we had our first couple segments go long, we got to take our last break, and then we're gonna come back and we'll see if we can't cover maybe one or two of the most common mistakes that we see. And if you can avoid those, or you can avoid some hurt. So stick around, we'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. You got true wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. All right, Katie, home stretch.
1: All right, common
0: mistakes. Common mistakes, folks. And remember, catch the rest of the show on podcast, but we're doing back to basics today. And one of the last things we wanted to wrap the show with was some of the mistakes that we see investors make most frequently. Uh, one of the investment mistakes that I see a lot is people will just sign something. Without knowing what they're signing. Yeah, they don't really understand what they're signing. They just kind of do it. And in particular, I've seen folks that buy either insurance products or products that have surrender charges. And then later on, they want to go sell the thing that they bought and they realize that they're wearing golden handcuffs.
1: Yeah, it costs right? them a lot to get out yeah. of it. And oh, then they're if like, Oh, you sell uh... it, you
0: pay a penalty. And you went, well, I didn't know about that. Right. Or wait a minute, if I sell it, I have to pay a bunch of taxes, uh-huh.
1: So when we were prepping up for the show, you brought up one that was interesting, right? When people go, oh, I need to open an IRA. And they open a new IRA every single year.
0: I know, this one, I used to see this a lot in my days when I was a bank manager, I was a program manager at a bank. So I was an investment guy in a bank. And folks would come in and they'd say, well, I need an IRA. And I, you look at them and say, like, you have five IRAs. What are you doing?
1: And they're like, oh, I thought I needed a new one every year.
0: Right. And no. Like, no, no, no. You can make contributions to your IRA every, every year. year. And they're limited, right? You can only put so much in based on your age. And your earned income, you know, like because if you don't earn enough income, you can't put in more than earned income.
1: So that's another common mistake. People overfunding their account, right? Like they don't know what the account limits are for the year and then they overfund them. And what happens if you put in too much money yeah, you gotta into your IRA? Back
0: out and there can be even penalties associated with it. If you're right. Not c- careful.
1: Another thing, too, is if you don't qualify, like for a Roth IRA, if you make too much money, you could potentially not be eligible for a Roth IRA. Right. So. So.
0: There are plenty of little goofy things. But the common ones that we see are- uh, yeah. Opening multiple <laughs>
1: accounts is one.
0: One of them that we'll see, especially for employer-sponsored retirement plans, is they put money into a plan, but they never invest it. Right. It's so in so cash for years. It's like, it's years. like another checking account. But you, you know the, what's the point of that? Because the interest right now is 0.0, 0 nothing. <laughs> so you're not getting paid. <laughs> you're not really.
1: even earning, like keeping up with inflation. Yeah. Like, Yeah. So. And
0: that's one thing I'm, I'm pleased to say, that when we manage, when we are the advisor on the account, sometimes we're not. We have some 401k plans that we advise the plan, but not the participants, right? We educate the participants, but we don't get to do the investing on behalf of the participant. They right. do it on themselves. Right. And they're the ones, they'll forget, right? And we're calling them going, hey, you need to do this out of the other. But they just don't take action. But, but when we are the advisor... We check that stuff. We'll grade your homework and make sure it gets done.
1: Well, and I believe from our firm, too, that um, anytime we've picked up a plan that you hopefully coach, I'm hoping that you do, and I've seen you do it, that you coach the trustee or the main person on the plan and say, look, we need to set these things in motion to help the participant yeah, along. A like a
0: lot of stuff so that they don't fall into a trap unintentionally. Right.
1: And so that, <laughs> thank you. That's kind of where I was going with it. So thank you for, for doing that. What are some other common mistakes that you've seen?
0: Uh, you know, one of the, some of the things that I see, they're, they're, uh, they're kind of bad tax moves. Like folks will uh, they'll cash out a retirement plan, not thinking about it, and uh, then they'll realize there's a tax penalty when they could have been really close. Or they'll take a, a short-term capital gain right before it converts to a long-term capital gain. Oh. Those, uh, and Explain that the difference savings. between that really quick because it's not hard. It's the difference between holding something for a year or less than a year. If you've owned an investment for less than a year and you try to flip back out of it, you'll pay short-term capital gains, which effectively are regular interest rates. And again, t- talk to your tax person about this to confirm, right? But... Uh, Versus Otherwise, long-term capital long-term gains, capital which is gains less. Is typically a preferred rate unless you're in a super low tax bracket, and it may be the same. But those are some of the things that that I often see people do. Uh, and then the other one would be, you know, you could buy a lower cost share class of something, but you you don't because you didn't realize the difference. And those are all they're kind of little mechanical errors that that people make. And and then the last one is folks forget to update beneficiaries
1: oh yeah that's a good one
0: that's a good one and then you have a baby
1: you get married or get divorced or lose a loved one the most common
0: mistake i see of all isn't even an investment mistake what is it people don't have wills in place they get all these assets and they don't put a will in place and they're like well i'll get to it someday and that someday forgets to show up
1: ah that's horrible
0: yeah it drives me batty too it's like it's not that complicated here just get a basic will put in place but, hey, what can you do? So, anyway, well, there's the music. So, as you could tell, the show went flying by today. Um, remember, we got lots of these shows on the podcast. Go to littlejohnfs.com to check those out, and uh, you can get some of the past shows. And don't forget to send us an email at info at littlejohnfs.com if you have show topics you'd like us to cover. Until then, how do they reach us, Katie?
1: 541-375-0898.
0: All right, you heard it here, gang. We'll catch you next time. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.